This is God and Autobiography, the podcast, a dramatic adaptation and continuing discussion of the book, God and Autobiography as Told to a Philosopher, by Jerry L. Martin. He was a lifelong agnostic, but one day he had an occasion to pray. To his vast surprise, God answered in words. Being a philosopher, he had a lot of questions, and God had a lot to tell him. Episode 116 Hello, and welcome to Episode 116 of God and Autobiography, the podcast, I'm your host, Scott Langdon. To put a bow on the wrapping up of our dialogue series, Two Philosophers Wrestle with God, I sit down for a conversation with both Drs. Jerry Martin and Richard Oxenberg. We talk about the series and how it came into being, how Jerry and Richard came to know each other, and how the making of the series affected each of our lives. As we've done with each of the dialogues, this conversation will be a two-parter. Here now is part one of our conversation, which I might refer to as two philosophers and an actor walk into a Zoom meeting. Well, we'll see. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of the podcast, and we have something very special. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, then you would probably know that this is the slot that we have for the past year had a dialogue between Jerry Martin and Dr. Richard Oxenberg. Well, those dialogues are complete, and Jerry and I thought, hey, let's do something special for this episode. Right, Jerry? Yes, exactly. And who better to go to than let's talk to Richard Oxenberg again? Because he led the dialogues. He prompted all the questions, conceived the particular topics, and it was really his creative product as a as a thinker and a spiritual being that produced the the, the dialogues well we have with him we have him with us today so welcome dr richard oxenberg yes hello very good to be here with you scott and uh jerry and i've enjoyed the your the work that you did on putting those dialogues together as podcasts so i'm happy to be here well thank you Thank you. Um, we've heard over the course of the dialogues uh, how you guys got to meet. Um, and I talked to Jerry about it, uh, you know, often about uh, what was going on with him and where he was headed to. And so I'd like to hear a little bit more about where you were coming from and what you were working on. And before I ask you that, I wanted to just mention this. And that is, as I was preparing for this episode, I went back to listen to you know some of the other some of the dialogues but what i found which was really interesting is that a year ago today exactly january 6 2022 we had just finished sort of the second phase of what we were doing with the podcast which was the you know the interviews and things and we were ready to launch this new year 
So what I had done on January 6th, Jerry, if you remember, we had an episode that said, here's what we're going to be doing in 2022. And we're going to start with some dialogues with Richard Oxenberg. And so we had been working on them, but this whole year has been an unfolding of these dialogues. Right. There were a total of 12. 12 in all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was a full year. That was a full year. Yeah, and so I feel like, you know, we've been working on them this whole time, and I've been hearing your voice, you know, in my work so much, Richard, without feeling, in in a sense, that, you know, without ever having met you, and yet mm-hmm. I've carried around, carried you around with me for this year, and <laughs> I, I feel like I, in a sense, do know you. So I want to ask you about what you were working with and what you were working on, that when you discovered Jerry's book, something said, hey, I want to pay attention to this. Right. Well, you know, um, as I was thinking about uh, meeting with both of you today and talking, um, and I was thinking about that question, you know, where was I when I first encountered Jerry and his book? And um, and uh, I was going through some of the some of the material and it, it suddenly occurred to me and struck me that Jerry and I had uh, a similar experience in our very young life. Um, Jerry had, um, when he was five years old, he had a brother who died in a tragic accident. And apparently, uh, according to the book, it's only mentioned very briefly toward the end of the book, that that had an effect on Jerry's experience or relationship to God. Or um, I had something very similar um, when I was eight years old, I uh, had a seven-year-old sister who was hit by a car in front of me and killed. And, um, you know, that led to, for me, uh, and I, at the tender age of eight, um, a tremendous amount of questioning about what's going on here, what's going on in this life, you know, who's in charge, if anybody, and um, and how good is whoever is in charge and you know uh because it didn't you know it didn't correspond with the god of perfect love and perfect peace and perfect beauty and perfect everything and i think that led to for me um a long spiritual search i um you know <laughs> uh jerry uh jerry referred to himself as a pious agnostic mm-hmm. um I was an impious atheist for uh, for quite a good while, um, and um, and as I reflect back on that, and um, all this is, by the way, getting to this uh, answer to the, your question. Um, there's, a, I guess, there was a sense of you know what happens. I think when those kind of tragic uh, events occur. There's almost a sense of betrayal, you know, I mean, there's a kind of, I think we come into the world with um, a native, almost naive trust and faith, you know, it's not theological, it doesn't have to do with having read some dogma, it's just a basic trust, and then something happens and the trust is broken, and the faith is broken, and there's a sense of betrayal. And uh, somewhere along the lines, I think it was probably in my 20s or so or later, 
it suddenly occurred to me that you can't feel betrayed unless you value trust. Right? Oh, In other words, the, the intensity of one's sense of betrayal is in proportion to the intensity of one's desire to have faith. Mm. And mm. so betrayal is kind of the sense of betrayal is kind of the shadow side of faith. Right. right. And, um, and so I realized that my intense sense of betrayal was actually a form of faith, a weird form of need for faith. And that led to me to a great deal of searching. Um, and um, that searching uh, led me to begin to read books on Eastern philosophy, Eastern Buddhism, Hinduism. Uh, I became very enamored of Paul Tillich's uh, Christian theology, which all involved alternative ways of thinking about what God might be that were somewhat different from the kind of pat idea of a, a God who is just perfectly good all the time and going to make everything perfect. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what I was doing was searching for a way of understanding God that would allow me to, on the one hand, overcome my sense of betrayal, and on the other hand, be honest with myself so that I wasn't telling myself a story and just denying the truths of the hardships of life. Um, and <laughs> um, I eventually got my degree in philosophy, and um, I first encountered Jerry at an American Academy of Religion conference. I think it was in 2010. And he was facilitating a session called Theology Without Walls. Um, And that title intrigued me because, in a sense, I was already engaged in my own personal theology without walls. I was reading Buddhist texts and Hindu texts and Christian texts and... um, And so the idea of trying to find a way of understanding God that um, would make sense and work and and would answer my own spiritual needs was uh, very much on my mind and in my heart. And so when I then Googled Jerry's name and found that he apparently has had a conversation with this guy, um, <laughs> you know, that fascinated me. You know, I was quite fascinated with, um, you know, how that conversation was going to play out. And um, I began reading. At first, um, he posted some of the early chapters of his book on a website. And so I read that. And then some number of years after that, Jerry and I ran into each other at another uh, American Academy of Religion conference. This time, I asked him if he'd stop and have a cup of coffee with me. We ended up talking for about an hour, an hour and a half. And uh, that's kind of how we really ended up connecting. You had given, Richard, a very interesting talk to a group I had attended on radical evil. I remember yeah. this day, emphasizing Kierkegaard and Kant. And uh, and then when I ran into you, I didn't remember the T- that you were at that TWW meeting. But you said to me, uh, I must have said my name. You said, oh. I guess I was probably complimenting you on your nice presentation. Oh, you're Jerry Martin. Mm, yeah. To this day, you're the only person who's ever said that to me. <laughs> <That's a laughs> yeah. Presentation yeah. Hated me. But you had been 
reading it online before the book was published, and yeah. you were full of questions. Right. <laughs> Active Oxenberg mind full of and search full of questions. Yeah, that's exactly it. We met, and you, you uh, I hadn't recognized you from the uh, meeting. So you told me you were Jerry Martin. I said, oh my God, here he is. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's a pretty extraordinary thing for anybody to come out and say that they've uh, had a conversation with God. God doesn't speak to me quite in the way that he speaks to Jerry. Um, and, uh, you know, at that time, I didn't know Jerry that well. Over the course of the years that we've been together, I've that I've gotten to know him, uh, you know, he's clearly clearly not having hallucinations. I mean, it's, um, you know, so there's something here going on and just what it is and was something fascinating to me. Then the book came out and I read the book rather carefully and uh, we've been having discussions about it ever since, I guess. You and Scott know the book better than anybody. You, you and Scott, <laughs> I think, are the two most thorough readers of God and Autobiography. But yeah, spending time with it in a in a different way than Jerry would spend time with it, yeah, is an interesting pursuit that at first for me was um, a job that was just a side job because I had so many other things lined up in my acting career, and then when the pandemic shut everything down, was only left with this project to work on. It never felt like a, you know, you have to do this, but it just seemed like the world, God was moving me in a way that like, this is what you need to focus on for a while. Just, just let's work on this. This is what you're being kind of directed to do. And it's kind of a dramatic story that it takes almost a plague and all this to get out of my own way. But in a sense, those things converged to do what they did. And in a similar way, I'm curious about what it was about the book that made you think, I want to spend the time to really dig into this particular work. And the book is interesting. It would be interesting even if Jerry were writing it, as I believe one reviewer suggested, as, you know, just a, a way of presenting his own ideas. It would still be interesting. Mm -hmm. But obviously, the, uh, the, the nature of Jerry's experience is, is interesting in itself. I mean, one of the great questions that one can ask is, um, who are all these people who, you know, are pronouncing the word of God out there? You know, who was Isaiah? Who was Jeremiah? Who uh, was Elijah? Who was Muhammad? You know, what were their experiences? And, um, and in what way were their experiences related to what is ultimately true? And so now here was this guy, you know, once again, who, you know, I can actually talk to and see and ask questions of who has had an experience like this. And so um, that was a major part of what fascinated me about the book. And then as I, as I read it, I mean, it's written in such a, a conversational tone, you know, that it almost, sometimes I feel the conversational nature of the way it's written disguises some of the depth within it. It's uh, remarkable in its inclusiveness, um, 
the the God who Jerry who was revealed in Jerry's book is is inclusive in almost every way imaginable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, inclusive not only of all the other religions, but also inclusive of highly transcendental ways of thinking about God, while also be being inclusive of basic interpersonal ways of thinking about God and experiencing God, mm-hmm. and inclusive of the notion of life as having an ultimate aim and end, but also inclusive of um, of expressing the value of every moment as we live that particular moment mm-hmm. so that the aim of life is not to escape life right so every moment has its has its sort of sanctity and one of the great aims of life is to find the sanctity in each moment uh, i mean there's a kind of beauty beauty to that vision that um that certainly uh, spoke to me and then, of course, there's the um, the element which goes directly to uh, my own experience of betrayal and so forth, um, that God just comes right out and says, hey, I'm a suffering God, right? Not only, not, you know, I'm not only, it's, I'm not responsible for the suffering. I am, I am subject to the suffering. The suffering dimension of reality is um, integral to what reality is. You can't get rid of it. It's part of what reality is. It's part of what God is. It's part of what the God beyond God is. It's, it's, it's integral to the nature of reality, but it does not defeat reality, right? In other words, in some ways, it's part of what gives reality its texture and fabric. It's, uh, but, um, and that, to me, is a is maybe the only possible answer to what is sometimes called in philosophy the problem of evil, mm-hmm. which is uh, often expressed in very abstract terms. But for people, most people, we run into the problem of evil at very personal levels. There are a lot of uh, a lot of bad answers to the question of why is there suffering and why is there evil in the world. A lot of bad religious answers, and but I'm concerned. A uh, very common one within certainly the Christian tradition is that well, you know, somebody ate a bad piece of fruit, you know, at the beginning of human history, and God has been punishing us, and it's all it's all punish it's all God's punishment, mm-hmm. and it, since it's just punishment. Therefore, it's actually all the evil is really good. <laughs> um, but um, that way of thinking of things never made a lot of sense and certainly didn't instill in me any sense of trust of the God who would punish us in that way and for that reason. Um, 
And so I think that Jerry's vision of God is uh, is a vision of a much more benign being than uh, than one gets in some more traditional versions of Western religion, especially. Mm-hmm. And that's rather ironic because this is a God who admits to not being perfect and to be in the process of trying to move forward in interaction with us to be better and better. We're trying to get better. God's trying to get better and is learning through interacting with us. And that's a lot of the drama of the world of life uh, is that, but somehow uh, God's not perfect, but this evil isn't from God's malign imperfection, really. It's from the raw facticity of the world. Yeah. It's material. And material is resistant to ideality, even though it's not there for ideality. It's there for gravity and matter and mass and, and uh, so forth. So the world is full of friction, and God, in in this vision, does not invent the world. God does not just think, go to a big design board, and how, how will I make the best possible world? No, God's thrown into a world that already has laws of nature, nature and so forth. Entropy is already there. It's not God inventing it someday. And so entropy, and for human beings and biological life, that means disease, aging, (laughs) death, and so forth, are all built in the fabric of reality. And there's a kind of um, forgiveness, although it's almost like you don't need the forgiveness, but the forgiveness is, is... is implicit and 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 just runs through the book you know in christianity in traditional christianity uh, we have a kind of split almost split personality i mean on the one hand god is all forgiving and on the other hand he's going to condemn a whole bunch of people to eternal torment and those are a little hard to reconcile um and can drive you a little crazy i think you know um and but in, in, in the God is revealed in Jerry's book is aware that life is can be hard, that there's a suffering element to life, that there are going to be temptations, therefore, for people to engage in behaviors that are wrong or immoral. But nevertheless, there's a fundamental sense of forgiveness um, that is implicit in the metaphysics. Because we're all part of God, and there's a way in which, you know, God can't be complete without us, and so God can't abandon us. He can't throw us all anybody into eternal hell forever because he'd be abandoning part of himself. To me, that's a, a, a very um, healing way of understanding God. Um, that heals that sense of, you know, you can't trust this guy. He says he loves you, but he might just toss you into uh, eternal torment. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, makes it a little hard to trust. For me, it does, you know. Yeah, what I'm told about is sin. The sin does not need to be forgiven. If you're sinning, people do these wrong things that you mentioned, Richard. But stop doing them. And he says, don't <laughs> in guilt. Don't look backward. Look forward. And so what you do is just review your situation and say, oh, I've got to, this was wrong. I've got to stop doing it. And there's nobody that then needs to forgive you. You've 
you're now doing things right. And that's the process of human growth and development. And God is smiling and happy for you and helping you do that, make that right turn. And there's suffering that is consequent upon sin, but it's not somebody's deliberately punishing it. It's that this, the sin itself, almost by definition, leads to bad consequences. And uh, wisdom comes from recognizing those bad consequences. There's a great line in a novel, um, forgotten which novel, it has been quoted to me, that uh, we're not punished for our sins, we're punished by them. By our sins, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think God says that more or less in those words in the book at some point. Yeah, I think so. Thank you for listening to God and Autobiography, the podcast. Subscribe for free today wherever you listen to your podcasts and hear a new episode every week. You can hear the complete dramatic adaptation of God and Autobiography as Told to a Philosopher by Jerry L. Martin by beginning with episode one of our podcast and listening through its conclusion with episode 44. You can read the original true story in the book from which this podcast is adapted, God and Autobiography as Told to a Philosopher, available now at Amazon.com and always at GodandAutobiography.com. Pick up your own copy today. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, please email us at questions at GodandAutobiography.com and experience the world from God's perspective, as it was told to a philosopher. This is Scott Langdon. I'll see you next time.